Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Play It By Ear podcast. I am your host, Carrie, with my co-host here, Joanna. Hello! And today we are going to talk about professional networking, how we get connected. <laughs> so before we begin, let me just tell all our listeners and our viewers that I am a pretty shy person. Um, I, I am an introvert, I think. Um, so yeah, this is definitely not something that I am good at. I, I want to say actually I suck at because I clam up. I tend to clam up and not have a lot to say when I first meet people. Mm -hmm. Joanna can testify to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think I have learned over the years of just listening and observing, uh, what my peers do. I think I've learned a few tricks and tips here and there watching on the sidelines so yeah just a little bit of a inside story i love that i mean i think i mean as your friend i feel mm -hmm. that you should give yourself a little bit more credit than that. okay thank you <laughs> um because um uh, i think uh, i guess my response to that is that a lot of people think that when when we network professionally that we need to be very charismatic and we mm -hmm. need to be very out there and uh extroverted talking a lot blah 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 but um it's not really all about that you know it's it's also about like do you vibe with the other person that you're talking to um listening is actually a a really fantastic skill that you naturally have um and people notice i i notice that people these days really notice if i really sit back and listen to people a lot of people will actually catch themselves while they're talking and just interrupt the conversation to say you're a really good listener <laughs> and i don't know have you had that That's happen good. to you before um I'm not sure. I can't say I have. <clears throat> you definitely are a very good listener. <laughs> I'll be Thank that you. person you. telling you okay. that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're a very good listener. Um, and uh, yeah, I think more and more people nowadays are valuing people who listen. So mm -hmm. um, I'm glad that it's turning into that attitude these days that I think more people are embracing of our introverts, you know? yeah um it is it like you said it is an important skill to have mm -hmm. well i mean i guess my question to you then would be like how did wh what were you taught you know like in the beginning about pro professional networking were you taught about professional networking did anyone tell you what you should do um i don't think i really have been taught anything specific really it's more just listening to to what my dad has said growing up oh. things that i should do uh, how i should behave especially how you shake hands with people mm -hmm. like to have a, a, a firm grip when you're shaking hands so you mean business right. so that that is something that i have taken with me mm -hmm. uh when i hand people things maybe because i'm asian i hand it double-handed yeah mm -hmm. as a sign of respect mm -hmm. and things like that but i think really in terms of conversation or or uh building rapport with the other person nothing much really it's just like i said at the beginning it's just um through listening to what my peers have done right and learning from that and taking some of their wording how they phrase things how they ask questions especially mm -hmm. and taking those and running with it was there like a specific experience that re you remember learning from watching someone else do it uh not really no hmm. do you do you remember anything like i don't remember an exact situation i guess but i guess it's because i'm very frequently if i'm sitting for example in an orchestra i'm not sitting in the first chair um yeah. i'm sitting in the second chair oh, or third okay. chair or piccolo right and so I'm always watching how 
my first flutist, my principal flutist is behaving. Um, Mm -hmm. I notice that I will frequently watch how they act and watch how they address the conductor, watch how they address other um, other musicians. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've been blessed with lovely principal flutists in my life i recognize that to be a very lucky blessing um Mm -hmm. and uh for those of you who don't know what i'm talking about um it is because the flute world i'm just going to say it is known for being extremely catty um and highly (laughs) hyper competitive um so to have been blessed with so many lovely principal flutists in my life i i recognize how lucky i am Um, but I had some great role models. So I would watch how they would talk with people. And in a way, I would sort of mimic them to see how I liked acting like that, Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Uh, The person that I'm really thinking about in terms of me mimicking how she uh, talks with other musicians um, was my first flutist um, that I played with here in Seattle. Um, I'm not in the Seattle Symphony. Uh, but I did play with the Ensign Symphony and Chorus, um, and my principal flutist there was absolutely fantastic, um, and she's like my big flute sister, um, and so I would just kind of watch how she talked with people. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed how she was so respectful of people, and she would always ask, you know, people, oh, how are you doing? How's life? And the biggest thing I remember is her remembering random things about you know conversations that she had had with other musicians Mm -hmm. about things that were not music yeah I think I now that you say that I I try and remember things to do with their lives yeah or their families rather than having to do with music so that way you kind of Mm -hmm. get to know them as a person yeah yeah on top of the a musician yeah and it has a huge impact weirdly in a mm-hmm. in the professional sense because i think when your life is acknowledged as a human and not just judged as a musician mm-hmm. you want to work with that person more because you don't feel judged by them and i think she really understood this concept So she would Mm -hmm. always ask about people's babies, about people's kids, about people's husbands. She would ask me because she actually watched my relationship with John. She actually watched that blossom. And so I remember like the first time I mentioned my boyfriend and she was like, "Um, excuse me, your boyfriend? (laughs) Like, who is this boy? Um, And so we would just end up talking about boys really and not Mm -hmm. about the flute and you know years later i'm like this is the flutist that i want to work with you know because yeah i feel like we really can bond and i think a lot of music making only really works if you're actually friends with the people that you're working with so in a weird way like i guess i'm saying that professional networking in the music world is actually just making friends Good point. Yeah. I think like thinking back now, I think it has to do with like a lot of the connections I was able to make is through one of our our mutual friends. And he's introduced me to like different conductors and different players. Mm -hmm. And it's through these contacts that like your network kind of grows. Yeah. And it's because you're friends. You are friends. So like, Mm -hmm. of course he's going to want to work with you on those projects and stuff. Of course, he's going to refer you. Of course, he's because I think whenever like one of us are involved in a project, you know, Mm -hmm. and we we hear that there is an opportunity for our friend to fill in the position of another position within that project, we'll be like, definitely, Mm -hmm. let's try to get as many of our friends involved in this. Yes. Because we already know each other. Mm -hmm. So like, it's really weird that I guess the professional networking, at least in our experiences, is not that professional in a really weird way. 
you know? Yeah, in a way it has to do with like your closer platonic relationships. Yeah. So I, I guess maybe this can be applied in general. Just don't burn any bridges. <laughs> yeah, 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 don't burn any bridges. Oh, it's so true. Um, have you seen that happen? <laughs> I have not in music, but I have in in the other field that I was involved in in mm. early childhood education. I mean, can we talk? I have heard stories. Yeah, can we talk vaguely about that? Like what happens yeah, when you burn a bridge? Um, so the person was leaving the company or leaving the school. Yeah. And they were unhappy, mm-hmm. of course. So that's why they they chose to left to leave. Yeah. Um, and when as they were, I think they were doing an exit interview. I can't be, I I can't remember exactly. Mm. Um, they they just basically swore at the manager. I think. Oh my! Like just bad mouthed everyone. Whoa! It wasn't very polite at all. And then I think a year later, she had to ask for a reference letter. So she tried oh. asking that uh the manager there i think so n- no response i mean obviously I mean, what can you expect yeah. if you if you if you were impolite in yeah. leaving yeah you left a sour taste yeah in their mouth so yeah <sighs> she burned that bridge Ooh, ooh, that's oh that's not good <laughs> yeah you know what as an example yeah i think like like my initial thought process upon hearing that mm-hmm. is that it it sounds like there was a lack of understanding that the people around you that you work with are mm-hmm. not just like non-playable characters in your life yeah. you know they're not mm-hmm. npcs that I think once we realize that the people around us are humans and humans have bad days or mm-hmm. humans get burnt out or humans sometimes are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Sometimes mm-hmm. the people who are you know, asking you to do certain things, they may not feel very good asking you to do, you know, like to, you know, do an impossible project or, you know, play an impossible right. trill or something. You know, you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Those people who are asking us to do those things, I think once we realize that they are humans too, um, you know, one, we get a lot more empathetic. But, like, I think the thing that I realize is that, you know, we can't demonize them. And I Mm -hmm. feel like once, if I let myself demonize someone for some wrongdoing that they did against me, um, that's when I will feel the right to badmouth them, to mm-hmm. curse them out, to whatever. But it's because, you know, in that situation, I'm not seeing them as human, right? Yeah. But I think ever since I really started to see everyone around me as a human, it just changed everything because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, like I wonder what's happening that's causing them to have to ask me to do this impossible thing, right? Or demanding me to do this impossible thing or, you know, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or burdening me. Why are they burdening me? Why are they blah, 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 you know? But it's like, I think uh, when we realize that they're humans too, yeah, it, it just makes everything a little lighter in a, in mm-hmm. a weird way. Um, mm-hmm. And it really prevents us from um, dehumanizing them. You know, yeah. Um, I think that's that's where we can accidentally start to burn bridges is when we don't see people as humans too. You know, mm-hmm. so I agree. Yeah, that's just something I've been considering because uh, my attitude towards some people in my past who have who I used to feel wronged me, um, mm-hmm. my attitude towards them has completely changed recently oh wow. yeah yeah because okay. i i now realize i'm like mm, you know i don't blame them for saying yeah. what they said or doing what they did you know like sometimes people are at the end are at the end of their rope and they don't know what to mm-hmm. say and they don't know what to do and they're not trained to deal mm-hmm. with a person like me i guess you know and um and they blow up 
you know yeah like humans are humans you know mm-hmm. you i don't blame them anymore yep. yeah and um you know i i realize that in these situations it, i have as much responsibility in dehumanizing them in my brain as maybe they did too of dehumanizing me right so yeah, probably yeah it's it's real weird man like the i i think the like it's a bit of like you know um networking is a bit of making friends but also like i feel like we network better when we really realize that we're not the main characters in our own lives you know mm. that we're really just a part of a larger um universe you know yeah yeah I like I like that. I think it's a good segue into what I was thinking because mm. for me, um, I've never really thought of like, oh, I'm I'm kind of like demonizing this person, yeah. but yeah, I think I I am at fault for doing that too. Sometimes, even now, still yeah, same same. Um, like, I mean, I'm only talking about it because I realize I do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, when you catch yourself, and that that's when you're able to realize, like, okay, I am actually doing this, and maybe let's do something to change. Yeah. For for me, I try to remind myself that no man is an island. Mm. We cannot function alone. Mm-hmm. As much as you think you are capable of handling everything, there will come a point where you just have to call on someone for help, for assistance, to, uh, to ask something. Yeah. So I just feel like even if that person has wronged you in the past mm-hmm. or they have insulted you or, or whatever... Mm-hmm like you said they they're they're human still they must have had a reason Mm -hmm. hopefully (laughs) for doing something like that and you never know they people change so Mm -hmm. just view them as human beings and keep living your life and let them keep living their lives and maybe one day you'll cross paths again and you might be working together (laughs) you never know yes that is huge in the music world because especially the classical music world is such a small world Mm -hmm. it is you run into each other oh yeah the people that you thought like especially when you get into the professional level the people that Mm -hmm. you thought that like oh you know i dealt with them back in music school and oh you know i graduated and i don't have i moved far away and i don't have to deal with them again uh no that's not how it works. The world is very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will encounter these people, even if not in a like a project, you will encounter them via social media. You know, you'll encounter them, via, you know, because re- especially right now during the mm-hmm. right now as we're recording this, we're in the middle of the pandemic. Um, yeah. It is early 2021 right now um and so everyone is stuck at home and and so everyone's posting their own stuff on social media and Mm -hmm. you know content you know creating platforms you know twitch youtube etc and so um what happens then is that other uh professionals it doesn't even matter how far away they are from you they're going to see your stuff you know and you're going to see their stuff you know and um like it's you cannot get away from the people mm-hmm. that you thought you could get away from. Very true. Yeah, you, you can't get away from them. And so it's less about, um, you know, refusing to work with those people. Although I will say that in some cases it can be justified if there was like actual you know, abuse that was happening or there was Mm -hmm. actual, um, uh, you know, like a really, really terrible situation where you have decided that you are not going to professionally work with, you know, some people anymore. That is completely understandable. And if you have a very good reason for why you cannot be in contact with someone again, um, you know, at least I, I support that. There is one person in my mind that I know I will not work with professionally ever. Um, Like they are the type of person where if I found myself in the same project as them, I would walk away from the project, right? Like 
I understand that that is the case, um, that that can happen. But, uh, you know, for most everyone, though, everyone's just kind of being a human, bumbling along, making mistakes and accidentally Mm -hmm. blowing up at each other. And I think what we need to realize is that we're just as at fault for accidentally somewhat burning bridges as everyone else is around us, you Mm -hmm. know? And the thing is, even if you burn a bridge, you can repair it. It is possible to repair a bridge. Um, If, you know, if you are willing to be that, to have that kind of integrity to say, hey, I messed Mm -hmm. up, I'm sorry. Um, I apologize for what I did. I had no excuse for behaving the way I did. Um, and you know, I hope you'll forgive me, but you know, that's totally fine if you don't want to, but you know, Hey, I apologize and let's work together. You know, like if you can say that, honestly, most people will, you know, like respect you that much more, Mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, you can't get away from it. Like you can't get away from people in the classical music world. No, no. I, I just took a glance at our notes when you were saying that and um, I just caught the line of uh, staying connected with your professors. Yeah. That is something that still happens too. So You end up and, working with your professors. Yeah. Yeah. I've experienced that quite a bit now, especially in the freelance circuit. Mm-hmm. I, I've ended up sitting next to my teachers a few times. Yeah. It happens, you know, so, um, you know, I've worked professionally uh, on some projects with Dr. Bob, um, Mm -hmm. uh, who was our theory professor, and uh, he's actually a composer as well, and he actually just ended up hiring me to do his alto flute piece, Rebirth. Um, Yeah, yeah, I got paid. It was a paid gig, you know. Um, and it was actually kind of a project that I had a hand in too, because he was asking my, Mm -hmm. uh, for my input as well, uh, in, in it. So I had a creative hand in it as well. And, you know, like it's, it's very interesting that, you know, like no one would ever think that you would end up working professionally with your music theory professor, you know, that's just not really something people consider, but it can happen to you, you know? So yeah, <laughs> another another thing that I've learned for for listeners and viewers who are active on social media, mm-hmm. just be careful. I think in general what you post, yeah, because you never know who might see it and who might come across mm-hmm. that post. It's not to say that you have to be super professional with every post. You can be silly, right? Yeah, but you need to be careful that the type of things that you say are not disrespectful to Mm -hmm. certain people that they're not um you know uh like out ousting certain people or Mm -hmm. um you know ostracizing certain group of people targeting a certain group yeah 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 like you need to be kind in your posts Mm -hmm. and kind-hearted empathetic um yeah yeah be careful be careful what you Mm -hmm. post just uh be responsible and be respectful Mm -hmm. when you post yeah um there there is a saying that whatever you post on the internet stays on the internet it does it never really goes away you Mm -hmm. can try to delete it and somehow someone will dig it up yeah it is somewhere yep yep so it's yeah as a person who d- who basically makes their living online, I can I can vouch for that. <laughs> Do you have any stories to share? I mean, I personally don't because I, I have actually been very careful from the beginning. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that, let's be fair, my channel isn't that huge um, in the grand scheme of YouTube. Um, my my channel is actually fairly small. Um, so I for yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But I like I so I don't run into the crazy scandals that a lot of people will normally run into, like if they get really big into the millions of um, viewers and stuff like that. Um, there's only really a small handful of very large YouTubers out there that are completely not problematic. Um, mm-hmm. More often than not, 
there will be some sort of drama that happens or something like that where someone said some offhand comment about some other YouTuber and then it was misconstrued and then Mm. um so basically it hasn't happened to me but i am a total sucker for youtube drama i am a total sucker for it that is my like trash tv that i watch (laughs) i will like you know like get caught up on the latest youtube like beauty guru drama and stuff like that i know it's like it's complete trash it's complete trash and i should not actually really like delve into it but like there's a part of me that just needs that like drama llama fed you know <laughs> so i like will keep up with all these like stupid youtube dramas but like in a weird way from keeping up with it i kind of know what not to do yeah you learn from it yeah too. so that's not entirely bad it's not i guess but like it com- it i recognize and i will completely take responsibility for how trash it is for me to like keep up with that stuff but um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, so I see a lot of stuff from the sidelines. I haven't really experienced mm-hmm. it firsthand. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, I have experienced some drama with some people in my life. Um, but I wouldn't say that it was like on, you know, like the, the platform, like on YouTube. Um, that right. anything that has happened is not big enough to be considered drama. So you know yeah so it's 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 just one of those things where i feel that as long as you can be you have integrity and you can recognize when you've messed up and then you apologize Mm -hmm. and you don't make excuses for why you messed up um then i think you're good to go because honestly people will be like oh yeah they're human okay you know that's that cool Mm -hmm. they apologized and they didn't try and make up excuses that that's the thing is that you know, an apology is not an apology if you if you only are sorry that you got caught, right? Like, if yeah. you're going to apologize, sure. you need to apologize because you actually mean it, right? And yeah. you're following through with your apology and you're not making, right. you know, excuses and stuff. And honestly, if people see that, people... Humans are pretty understanding when they see someone else mess up and apologize for it. Okay, I was saying generally, yeah. generally people are like, "Oh, that's nice that they apologized." You know, I'm glad that they're learning and picking things up. You know, mm-hmm. um, yes, there will be a small percentage of people who will hold it against you forever, but really, at that point, that's on them. It's not yeah. really your problem anymore. You know, nothing. There's you can nothing do. you can do about that. So. Yeah, that's kind of my, I guess, sideline experience of watching drama happen. (laughs) And all of those people at at one point, usually they have worked with each other before. Yeah, the the people who have had drama with each other. Oh, oh, they have worked with each other before. They have like a history of collaborations or something Mm -hmm, like that. mm -hmm. And then like things like blew up down the road. Oh, okay. Yeah, usually that's where the drama happens. The drama, like the biggest drama is usually between people who know each other. Oh, well, it makes sense. <laughs> right? They know each other. They've worked with each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if you, if, you know, if you guys are experiencing drama, it's likely that it's with someone you actually know. <laughs> you know more often than more not. often than not it's it's you know a lot of people think like oh you know like i'm gonna be up against this like this person for the same chair you know that i don't know this person that's competition yeah it's competition but it's like it's not you know when, when you get to the professional level you realize it's just completely silly there's like there's no you know like it doesn't matter no one cares yeah. what chair you're in anymore when you're at the professional level you know, that's not the type of drama. Some, some people still do care. Some people do. That's true. But, um, I would say a large majority don't care, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you care? No. If I care, it's that I don't want to sit in first chair. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. It's just I see how much responsibility there is in yeah. um, being principal because you mm-hmm. have to be you're, you're essentially managing Mm -hmm. um the whole section you're the manager that's actually what you are and 
I don't want to be a manager. It, it does not interest me. I, I you know, I, I do not want to manage other players. I, I just don't. I enjoy being mm-hmm. managed, you know, like I enjoy having the music handed to me. I enjoy, you know, my my principal flute is saying, hey, can you play this like this? And I don't have to make mm-hmm. those decisions. It's great, you know. <laughs> so to me, yeah. I'm like, I will just follow her to the death. I don't care, you know. I, you know, cause it's, it's the group thing. It's not about me showing off how great I am. Yeah. Right. It's about making the group sound good. So I will just follow whatever she says to the death, you know, mm. it's great. I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. What else can we talk about? Oh, well, um, I did see that I mentioned that I went out for coffees and meals with our mm-hmm. professors. Can you talk a bit about that? So, about that? I definitely did that. I don't know if anyone else did. I'm actually very curious. Have you done stuff like that with our professors? No, I haven't. So it, like I told you, I'm, I'm shy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I would not reach out to them. Hey, let's go for it. No. Wow, I must be really weird then. <laughs> no. No, it's your way of connecting with them. It's your way of networking and, and building that relationship. I suppose so. So, I mean, I'll... There's no standard, I don't think. Yeah, I'll give a little bit more background as to why I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like how, when you know, earlier I was asking you, like, how did you learn how to be professional? And you mentioned that it was actually your dad, right? That taught mm-hmm. you a lot of how to be professional. Um, in my case, I was basically following what my brother does. Hmm. So my brother, and he's done this since he was like in high school. He's actually done this for a really long time. If he's very interested in chatting with a teacher or a professor about a certain topic, he will grab coffee with them. So it didn't come out of nowhere for me. For me, I was watching my brother do this all the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where he got it from. I have a suspicion it has something to do with my dad, too, because I know that my dad will grab coffee with people very frequently. It's the same type of thing. Like the idea is that instead of being in off in in their office and being in office mm-hmm. hours where it's like it's almost too direct, if that makes sense. Right. Mm. Like there's not another thing to focus on. At the very least, when you're out for coffee or tea. Right. You have the drink to kind mm-hmm. of focus on, too. Right. And when you have that other thing to focus on or it's like a meal or something right Mm -hmm. when you have that other thing to focus on in a weird way it kind of like lightens up the conversation a bit and it allows you to talk a little bit more freely Mm -hmm. without feeling like there's as much pressure because what i'm sure you've experienced this going into office hours in general is very like Mm -hmm. The professor is just kind of like looking at you and like, okay, what questions do you have for me? Yeah, you know? it's like very much to the point. Quick, 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 quick. Yeah, quick. it's super to the point. It's really in your face. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really intimidating. And so I just wanted to not be in that environment. So okay. the idea was to pick us up, pick both of us up as student and professor and place us in an environment that was not school. And what Mm -hmm. that does is it it sort of weirdly evens out the playing field where suddenly we're not in an environment where we're expected to be professor and student anymore. Mm -hmm. Because even the waiters or waitresses that come over and help you out, if you're out for a meal, they treat you both equally right Mm -hmm. it's not because when you're in a school um it's kind of like a ta or like a professor who looks super young 
ends up often mm-hmm. getting disrespected or treated very uh, poorly because people you know other professors might accidentally think that yeah. they're a student right uh-huh. There's definitely a power dynamic that exists in the yeah. environment of school. The thing is, those professors would never treat that professor poorly just because they thought they were a student if the two of them were in a different place, mm-hmm. right? So the environment yeah. matters. And I learned this trick from my brother, right? So my brother was the one who would always kind of change the environment so that the conversation can flow, right? And his mm-hmm. idea was that humans really start talking over food, right? Over mm-hmm. a shared meal, over food, over like, even if it's not food, drinks, dr- drinks yeah. of any kind. I mean, it could be, it could be alcoholic, okay? It could be caffeinated, right? But like, as long as it's some sort of drink that they have on hand, that Mm -hmm. like for some reason it loosens us up as human beings you know it makes you see the other person as a human being too seeing them literally consume something i don't know for some reason it might just like you know it might just kind of make something click in our like ape brains that like the other person Mm -hmm. is truly a human um and i think it goes the other way around too because then the professor sees you as a another human being albeit a developing human being but a human being Mm -hmm. as well um so that was the thought process behind how i ended up you know asking for these professors to come out to coffee with me and the way that i ask is can i buy you a coffee so you have to be willing to pay for it (laughs) It's worth yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> if you're willing to pay for it, it's only like five bucks, okay? I mean, that that's expensive for a coffee, but it's really only five bucks, basically, to chat mm-hmm. with them, you know? Um, and um, what that shows, though, when you say, hey, can I buy you a coffee? Um, what that shows is that you are really willing to spend the mm-hmm. time and the energy and money, like even money, yeah. to be like, I want your input. Right. Mm -hmm. And showing that type of initiative, professors love that. Yeah, they love it. They love when a student shows that type of initiative saying, hey, it's it's really what you're what you are showing is a signal. Right. It's a signal Mm -hmm. that, hey, I'm here to listen. Right. If you say, can I buy you a coffee? So Mm -hmm. um, that I learned that from my dad and my brother. That's where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, went out for a good number of coffees and lunches and even continued going for coffees, breakfasts with Dr. Bob even after Mm -hmm. I graduated. So we've been keeping this up pretty much every time, you know, pre-pandemic at least once a year. Okay, (laughs) I'm still waiting for the next time I can go up and grab another breakfast with Dr. Bob. Um, We frequent we frequently do breakfast together because we feel mm-hmm. that we can talk the the most over food, yeah. you know. Um, and it it's absolutely has it's it's a life changer, guys. It's a life changer to be able to find a professor that you can really connect with and who can really mentor you. And this is a mm-hmm. person that you can fall back on when things get tough. So I have had um, at least two situations now that have like I didn't know what to do I can't really talk about it here but let's just say that professionally I was not doing very well um some drama had happened in my professional life and so I ended up calling him up um those two times and been like dude Mm -hmm. I'm stuck man I, I need I don't need your like you know, like your your instructions on what to do. I need your experience. Have you experienced yeah. something like this before? Mm-hmm. And how did you deal with it? Because that's what I need to know. And both times he just came right to the rescue. He didn't solve my problems, but he certainly shared his own experience that mirrored mine. Mm-hmm. And it really helped me out. You know, it just settled me made me feel like I was not alone and dude like 
having someone like Dr. Bob back you up is insane, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's not that he was backing me up to like go attack someone else. I don't mean that at all. He was not involved at all in anything that I was having trouble with. He was completely an outsider. That's actually one of the reasons mm -hmm. I went to him is because he's so outside of my professional um, work, right? So um, yeah, that's been absolutely insane. So, so guys, if you can, you know, create this type of uh, relationship with one of your professors, if you find that you connect very well with one of, of your professors, buy them a coffee. Go, go and talk in an environment that's not school. Like, it's so worth it. And this is something that I now extend to my students too when I, when, cause you know, not every student will stay with you forever, but I always tell them before mm -hmm. they leave, like if ever you need someone to talk to, I'm here and I have had a couple of students yeah. come back and been like oh, I need to talk to you about something right so it's like it's only been like a couple students one or two students I think who have done this but I know that it's been worth it and it's it's kind of my way of continuing what Dr. Bob did for me and what he's mm -hmm. still doing for me that's how I'm sort of continuing it forward um, yeah. you know and it's it's so important to have someone like that, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy. But yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. a little bit more of a background as to why those coffees happened. But I think it fits in with our overarching theme yeah. in this one, although I don't think we meant for it to happen. <laughs> we were talking about professional networking. Yeah. But then I think at the bottom of it, we just realize that, we, or you have to realize that we're all human. Yeah. Yeah. And through that, you, you develop and you build that genuine connection with each other. Yep. Not because of the profession that you're engaged in, yeah. but because of our common humanness. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that's what getting a coffee together, getting a tea together, sharing a yeah. meal together, it really humanizes the other person for you. You, you're willing to be vulnerable yeah. at those moments, I think. It is very strange. Like, I, I think most people don't realize this, how humanizing sharing a meal together is. Mm -hmm. It's such a bonding experience to share a meal with someone. It is. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> it is. Our, our bachelorettes were <laughs> over food, too. I mean, a lot of what we do is... With, with food, food. <laughs> maybe we should be eating dinner <laughs> i know i know like um you know for those of you guys who are watching a little bit of a behind the scenes i was actually 10 minutes late to this because i was making a tea <laughs> <laughs> i had one with my yep 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 so carrie also has a tea um it's actually it's it's crazy how humanizing it is to mm -hmm. share something together you know um and to share it's just something about sharing a meal it's just insanely bonding yeah yeah since i think that's how we first developed our connection too it wasn't really a meal but i think it was more of a a drink or yeah coffee or tea we would bring our was it lunches from home oh yes and we'd sit by the lockers yeah i remember that we would microwave yeah. each other's meals and bring it well for for context yeah. um at ebc university of british columbia the music school i don't know if it is still the same now but the microwave was up on the top yep. floor and we would just go upstairs microwave our meals come back down to the four, uh the third floor mm -hmm. where there was more space to sit and we just sit down on the floor and eat and chat we did that all the time there's something yeah. insanely bonding about that um i also remember sharing meals with people i'm sure you remember doing this too you know like right after long practice hour sessions or something like that mm -hmm. we all come out of the practice rooms just exhausted and everyone decides to go either you know, heat up some food together or something like that. And then we all just kind of veg on that fourth floor, you know, in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And we're all just oh, kind right. of eating and like vegging together and just, mm -hmm. you know, 
decompressing together. Yep. I I remember those moments clear as day because there was just something so like you felt like you were all battling the same thing together. You know, mm -hmm. the camaraderie really helped push us through, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really hope I, I remember how ratty that lounge area was. Do you remember how ratty it was? <laughs> like, oh, you would sink right in. Yeah, there's like no support open. at all in these couches. No. It was there. They were probably like super hand me down couches that just like were completely broken. Like, um, oh, man. But it was funny. Also, that microwave was like so dirty. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It worked. It though. worked. So we all used it. <laughs> it was the it was the only one in the yeah, building. there was only one. There was only one. I really think there really should have been more so. than one. But um, it's, you know, like y'all share the same things, you know, that was that stupid vending machine up there. Do you remember with yeah. like the like random overpriced bags of chips and cookies and stuff like that? Chocolate. Yeah, bodies. yeah, 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 yeah. People would... People would buy those and every time, every time someone would start eating it, I remember without a, uh, like without missing a beat, anyone who bought one and started eating it would immediately say, oh, this is so unhealthy, but I'm so hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've all had those moments, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, you, you develop a bond with those people that you do yeah. that with and it will take you into your professional work because... Yep. You know, you end up thinking of those same people. Mm -hmm. Really, that's where the networking starts. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just being friends. Yep. It's crazy. <laughs> it works, though. It does. <sighs> All right. Uh, what else do we have on our list here? I see something about business cards. Ah! A lot to say on this but uh-huh go for it shall i go for it go for okay. it okay so um again a bit more background is into why i created my own business card it's because my dad had one so just following in my dad's footsteps i was like you know what i'll make business cards too so i went on vistaprint <sighs> my god it's so cringy thinking about it but you know i did the whole thing where like you know you put your name you put your phone number email um and then you put um you know your credentials so at the time that i make mm -hmm. made this i did not have my bachelor's yet i was in the middle of my my bachelor's so what kind of credentials can you put on there so i actually i don't know if i told a lot of people but in the middle of doing my bachelor's i actually went to get my arct diploma from rcm royal conservatory of music and the reason why I did that was because uh, I'm just being completely honest with you guys here, okay? Com com being completely honest. It was because I was planning on staying in Vancouver to teach flute as my career. That's what my original plan was. That's not what happened, mm -hmm. but that's what my original plan was. And um, my thought was that I would uh, attract the Asian parents with my ARCT diploma. Oh, wow. Because a lot of Asian parents, at least where I lived, mm -hmm. they did not understand the significance of a bachelor's of music. But okay. they understood ARCT hmm. because they were all trying to get their kids to go through the Royal Conservatory of Music. It's mm -hmm. based in Toronto. It's basically, uh, for our listeners, it is basically the Canadian version of the ABRSM. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, I, I forget. I keep forgetting what the ABRSM is, stands for. Do you remember? Associated Boards of the Royal Schools of Music. There you go. Royal School School Schools. Multiple schools Plural. of music. Schools yeah, yeah, yeah. Of music. Yeah. Um. So, uh, RCM is the Canadian version of that, and mm -hmm. it's based in Toronto. Um. It's essentially a program that you can enter, 
um, basically almost self-studied or with a private tutor. Um, And you can go in and sign up for these practical exams and get uh, marked for to see whether you pass to get a certain grade level, et cetera. So I went for the performance diploma. Uh, I did not go for the teaching diploma. There was actually an education diploma version. I did not go that route because I was too lazy. There were more uh, prerequisites and stuff like that that I had to do for that. And I was like, no, I'm too lazy to do that. (laughs) No one cares anyway. Everyone just sees ARCT and that's all they care about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because it was it's it's either ARCT performance diploma or it's ARCT like something like teacher's diploma. So anyway, I only went for the performance one because it was easier to do than the teacher's one. I am lazy, guys. I don't know if you guys have noticed this yet from our podcast. <laughs> I am like the epitome of lazy. So anyway... I just kind of, you know, bit the bullet and did that because I was like just wanting to use that as a marketing device. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as I got my ARCT, like as soon as I got it, I think I got it in my end of second year, somewhere in third year or something like that. I put it on my business card. (laughs) Okay, so I put like Joanna, last name, comma, ARCT diploma, you know, and it was like because it actually does count as a legit degree. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but it is actually it does count as a legit degree because it is a diploma. So and it it just looks so like, you know, uh, impressive, (laughs) especially considering I had not even like gotten my bachelor's of music Mm -hmm. yet. Um, Was it actually useful? Kind of not really. Um, It's because um, the people that uh, I was handing it to, they honestly couldn't care less um, that I was a flutist, you know? Um, I thought back then that professional networking was basically passing out your business card to as many people as possible. Um, That is not actually the case. The thing is, most people will just lose your business card. Uh, people won't care Uh, people will just throw your business card away first thing because why do they care here's the thing how do you actually get people to call you up for gigs or to be a teacher it's usually by referral so it's usually word of mouth right normally what happens is someone will for example just so you guys know how this works in our circles here as professionals Usually one of our friends outside of our music world will text us and be like, hey, do you know someone who teaches piano? And then you'll be like, ah, yes, I have like five friends that I really trust to teach piano. Um, Let me go ask them for the contact info that they want to give out. And then I will give that to you. And then you as the middle person, you just end up like waiting for your friends to answer. Mm-hmm. If whatever they answer back, you pass on the contact info to your friend and then you're out. That's usually yeah. how it works. Um, the business card, in truth, did nearly nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> what really worked for me, though, was putting content out on YouTube. Weirdly mm-hmm. enough, because YouTube ended up becoming essentially a portfolio of what I was capable of. That's actually why the Flute Center of New York, for example, ended up contacting me to be one of their influencers because they saw me reviewing my own flutes in my bathroom. And uh, because I had nowhere else to review them. And um, they liked what they saw and knew and they could see potential in that. So they ended up cold emailing me um, to ask me to be an influencer with them. Um, and so now I've been reviewing flutes with them ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really because I put content out. YouTube was basically my portfolio uh, of what I was capable of. That's, that has really helped. The other thing is my brand name, Just Another Flutist, really rolls off the tongue really easily. A lot mm-hmm. of people will remember this name very easily. And so a lot of people will actually remember me from my brand name, not from my own name. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really sticks in people's minds. So even if they lose my business card, they remember the brand name. Yeah. 
So those are the lessons that I learned about creating a business card. (laughs) Never really proved useful for me at all. How about for you? Slight, slightly different take on that. Um, yeah. I still believe in business cards just because, uh, but maybe not in the way that you would expect. Sometimes I I do have personal ones and now I do have ones that are associated with the uh, Vancouver Academy of Music. Mm, that's um, important. Right. If you're like representing a, a, a institute, mm-hmm. I think those are really important business cards. Yeah. 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 I mean... Uh, when people approach me for lessons, of course, it's my own that I give out. Yeah. When people come to to VAM to the Vancouver Academy of Music, it's the the institution one that I give out. Yeah. But like for for lessons, when I give out, when parents ask for my contact information, I say here, here you go, here's my card. Mm-hmm. Um. Of course, like anyone else who gives out their business card, they're going to trust that that person retains it and hangs on to it, right? Yep. And that hopefully they will eventually call you, contact you to discuss lessons or mm-hmm. something of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, not really. It ends up being another person who actually contacts me who got my information from that person. Who had your business who card. Who had my business card. So I guess the card works in a way, but not in the way that I expected. It's like, it always works in a roundabout way. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, it still works to the point where I feel it's still worth having it on hand just in case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, I actually stopped printing business cards because mm. my work is so, like, n- settled online mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that... I don't really have anyone to give business cards to. (laughs) So it's a digital business card that you have. Yeah. So my website basically serves as a digital business card. Basically, if people want to find out what my credentials are, they can now Mm -hmm. go to my my website. They can go to my about page and read about me. And, um, you know, so I fashioned my website to essentially be an extended business card. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, the first, you know, the first page has me, has my brand, has what I do. Um, I just kind of like siphoned everything down to like three things I do. So people know what I do. Uh, people know that I'm partnered with the Food Center of New York. People know I have merch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK. Uh, the next page is my about page. They can read more about me. And, ha- and I have samples of me doing a Flute Center of New York review. I have samples of me practicing um, and that which is what I'm known for, for my uh, online content. Uh, and then I think my next page is for my stream schedule. That's really just for my uh, my followers to um, know when I'm streaming. Um, and then, uh, then I have my online lessons page and that one has all the rules, has the, uh, like, you know, basically instructions on how online lessons work with me. I have a consultations page, which is exactly the same thing, but just for Mm -hmm. consultations. Um, and then I have like my merch link that links to, uh, my merch page. And then I have my contact page, uh, which has a contact form. Um, and it has my like my socials there so people can find me. But it's like essentially the entire website is an extended business card. Um, mm-hmm. I have found after like tweaking my website several times over the years that like less is more. Um, and, you know, you really want to treat the website like a business card. Um, it yeah. didn't really occur to me to do that until actually fairly recently. Um, mm-hmm. My website, I almost kind of felt like, I used to feel like was more of a portfolio. I mm. no longer think that. I no longer think that, you know, as a musician, you can have a section of your website that is a portfolio-like, right? If you mm-hmm. wanted to put recordings of yourself up and stuff like that, that's great. Um, but don't put too much. Mm. <laughs> I find that- overwhelm the person. Yeah, you'll overwhelm whoever's looking at your stuff, you know? So like- I find that once I started to treat my website as an extended business card, I was like, okay, actually this makes a lot more sense now. You know, like I studied so many other people's websites, by the way, to get to this (laughs) conclusion. This did not come out of thin air, okay? Mm -hmm. I did things like I studied the Wong Fu Productions 
website. I liked how they have recently changed it. I've actually seen their website from before when they used to do their own HTML code. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen how it's evolved to now, how they run it. I've noticed that they've gone more simple as well. Um, like every creator that I have like looked at their website at, like the best ones were actually the simplest ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the most straightforward to the point, not too much stuff, but just enough so that you know at a glance what they're about. Right. Yeah. It's it's actually, I, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you guys how many hours I spent looking at people's websites <laughs> to see how to do this, you know? It really did not come out of my butt. Like I, I want a lot of people to know I do not like you know pull these things out of my butt it is like hours and hours and hours of research looking at other people's content seeing how they do it examining why it works examining why some of my stuff doesn't Mm -hmm. work fixing the stuff that doesn't work tweaking it until i like arrived at this conclusion that oh it's an extended business card yeah well it's just like what we said earlier on we as much as we think we can function alone no that was indirect help from other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's uh, I th- what I'm learning is to share with people that this stuff does not just come out of my butt, you know, mm-hmm. that I, I do not think of these things from thin air, that no, I don't. I am the product of like researching the hell out of this stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, definitely there have been many people before me who established this type of, um, you know, way of doing business, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just learning from them and tweaking them to fit my business, you know? Yeah. Same goes for biographies too. Same. Mm -hmm. And that goes for maybe a little tip for our listeners or viewers who are thinking of writing your own bios for Mm -hmm. for publication on websites or uh, for inclusion in concert programs. I used to write long, long bios when when asked for. I thought it was like an autobiography listing all my qualifications, listing all the awards, uh, uh, scholarships that I've been awarded, all the ensembles that I played with. Yep. Everything all the fine points of education, all the teachers, all the professors. Yep. No, I don't think you need to do that. I mean, from what I've read, again, I've, I've read other, mm-hmm. uh, other <laughs> professionals' biographies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's short and it's to the point and it's recent. That's the yes. most important thing that I learned. I don't know why I, I realized that so late. It has to be recent. You're not the only person realizing it so late. I only just cut down my bio on my website mm-hmm. to the shortened one that is current right now last month. Okay. <laughs> it's recent. <laughs> I, yeah. I also only came to this conclusion <laughs> very recently. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's a good conclusion that we came to. I think so. I like that we can like corroborate each other's findings yeah yeah (laughs) you know i feel validated (laughs) yeah i do too (laughs) well that's the thing like we are again back to that point we are all human and we're constantly learning and improving yeah exactly progressing if Mm -hmm. not improving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh man i really do feel very validated that you found out exactly the same thing yeah that's good (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> high five virtual high five hey. <sighs> well um what do you think i feel like that's a good place to stop for I today think that's a happy note to end on i know unlike our other episodes that have been such downers yeah, well, <laughs> so heavy such you know is life <sighs> well would you like to end us off today sure so thank you everyone for listening, for tuning in, and we hope you will join us in our next episode. If you want to connect with us, you can connect with us through our social media channels. We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Anchor.fm. Mm-hmm. 
and you can also find us on our website and our if you want to connect with us through email as well you can feel free to email us at let's play it by ear dot dot podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. that is let's play it by ear dot podcast at gmail.com we welcome your questions comments share your experiences please mm-hmm. and anything else that you would like to tell us too Yay! thank you thank you Thank you all for joining us today. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.